0: But the, the difference, like, when, when God begins to move and it's a sovereign move, as I believe we're seeing right now, one of the hallmarks of that, there's no person leading, which gives me great hope. Because if nobody's leading it, that person can't mess it up. The, the, the tendency we have is when things start to happen and we have one person leading it, then it starts to take on the characteristic of that one person when it's supposed to be taking on the characteristic of Jesus. Um, and and as I say this, I'm not finding fault because I, I've, I've been touched by each of these ministries. So it's not that I'm, I have an ax to grind against any of them. Um, but when the, or I got saved during the outpouring of the 60s, which the movie Jesus Revolution is about. Um, and so if you wonder where some of my stories come from, go see the movie. <laughs> Not that I know of. I haven't received any papers looking for a release, so I'm pretty sure I'm not. <clears throat> they missed it. I could have been available. But, uh, but one of the things that, <clears throat> so I, I came into that, and there was, when I say there was nobody leading it, it wasn't that there weren't any people that had any level of responsibility. Yes, there was, because there always is that. Somebody is handling what's going on in a room and all that kind of stuff. But there's no, like, prominent person that everything revolves around that person, right? Later, as that move started to mature, then people like myself started to emerge out of that. And the only thing I can kind of relate that to is when you look at some of the incredible photos that come from outer space. So a solar system is forming. At a certain point, there's a kaboom! And then there's a huge cloud of dust that's just hanging there after that. And then now with, uh, I can't remember the name of our new telescope, but with the new telescope, we're able to see better through the dust than what we could see with Hubble and some of the others. So what happens is, Inside that dust, things are starting to congeal. And then we can start seeing lights coming out. So we see stars are starting to form. Things are starting to happen in that ball of dust. Ultimately, we end up with a solar system that looks something like ours or some other solar system. Um, And that's how I see what happened in 72. And I think that's happening right now. We're living in it again. There's just been a, Kaboom! And now the atmosphere is starting to fill with dust. The dust isn't negative, it's just the process. At a certain point, out of that dust will start to congeal points of light. And those points of light, which I believe are mainly you guys, the younger generation, you the points of light, you are about to become the new solar systems that are being launched in the kingdom. Now, if I ratchet ahead, and this is not what I want to talk about today, so, but when I ratchet he- ahead, 1994, January of 1994, I said this before, Randy Clark was speaking up to uh, Toronto Airport Vineyard. It was just a couple days of services with Randy Clark. There was another kaboom. And all of a sudden, that became a hub. And people from all over the world went there. I went there. Some of the rest of us that are uh, from here went there. And we were impacted. Now, the, the amazing thing in that was that John and Carol are not. We're wise enough to realize we're just the ones handling the building. People are showing up. We just need to make sure the bathrooms are clean. There's toilet paper. The pumps are all working. <laughs> Um, you know, and in the midst of that, we get to sit in the midst of what Holy Spirit is doing and see incredible things happening, but it's not, it's not us. We, we are just stewarding it, right? That was amazing. We were touched by that. This church has been touched that we're still living out of the, the dust that was formed in the first kaboom and it's still shaping it's not fully shaped yet, but it is, we're in the process. At the same time, 1974, Linda and I and the kids jumped in the van and went to Kentucky to Rodney Howard Brown's summer camp meeting. I've told that story, not going to go into that again, but it was wild, it was crazy, it was amazing. went on for a week, and then we had to try to drive home. And you know, it was one of those seasons where I just realized being intoxicated by the Holy Spirit makes me as dangerous as being intoxicated with anything else you might be intoxicated with. <laughs> Don't Holy Ghost and drive. It can, it just, you're just whacked out, man. That's all I can tell you. And you're, just, you're not any more capable behind the wheel. And you can sing, Jesus, take the wheel all you want. You should let go of the wheel, is what you should do, until you sober up. (laughs) So so I was impacted by Rodney Howard Brown and what was happening. And there was a period of time where that was making the, the circuit. And we went to Wilmington multiple times to hear Rodney when he was speaking in Wilmington. And again, this piece, I'm not holding this as criticism as out of some axe to grind. I'm just telling you this is what happens from my perspective. The problem with what was happening through what Rodney was doing, it centered around Rodney. And it had its good points. I was impacted by those good points. One of the things I knew, anytime we went to Toronto, it was about Jesus and what the Spirit was doing. When I started going to Rodney's meetings, when he was now known and all that, we spent 20 minutes in worship, and we spent 45 minutes on the offering, and then about 10 minutes on some exhortation, and then go home. So the whole thing became focused on the offering. I never knew so many verses could be used to extract money out of people, but Rodney knew them all. That's the difference between when the Spirit of God is moving and no one is in charge, because the Spirit's in charge, and when someone becomes in charge, it ultimately, we're not mature enough, at least at this juncture, and maybe this one will prove to be different I, I don't think it will because I think it's a wrong lane we get in no matter what God's doing. But once it moves to a person <clears throat> that, that's in control, then we, we've lost what, what the Spirit of God is doing. God is wanting to dump a bu- bunch of drunk people out on the street at 9 in the morning speaking in a strange language with people going, What the heck? And in the midst of that, he starts touching people. He wants us to be at a place where we can live in the presence, knowing that the presence oftentimes makes me look a little ridiculous. And there will always be the first person there going, oh, by the way, you look ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And they're in the way of the five people behind them going, I want some of that. And if we're not careful, we hear the voice of the one going, well, that you're just being, I mean, that's just ridiculous. If you're going to keep doing that at church, I ain't going to that church. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't start it, and we're not going to stop it. So we're just going to go with it. And where does that lead, and what shape does it take, and how do we live in that? You know, we're talking about filling in the gaps. The stones aren't going to cry out in front of us. What well, happens when we just, as was said today during worship, it just happens if we just start crying out. And I don't mind the stones singing harmony. <laughs> just follow my lead. You know, follow your lead. I mean, that's so. We're um, so as as this thing continues to unfold, that I'm um, uh, I'm all I. I guess I've been at this long enough. I, I find it comically heartbreaking with the nonsense that starts to pop up with people writing comments and you haven't even been there. Yeah. Like you don't know squat. And you just ran your mouth for 10 minutes. Why don't you just shut up and go there? I mean, what? Why? why, why is my negative opinion needed in the world anyway. I saw something this morning where somebody said, well, in the Jesus Revolution, they picked the wrong actor to be uh, Chuck Smith. It's like, who cares? I mean, they could have picked Mickey Mouse. It's not the actor. It's an actor for crying out loud. It's not Chuck Smith. I just want to put that out there from right now. Chuck Smith is not in the movie. It's an actor. But who cares? The world doesn't need my criticism. Because what I saw through the Jesus, when I got saved, we were a really screwed up group of people prior to having an encounter with Jesus. After the encounter, we were a really screwed up group of people who had had an encounter with Jesus. I'm not recommending this. I don't think it was right. I spent my days of repentance. But in those early years, I led a Bible study on Wednesday night with a group of people. And when the Bible study was done, me and my girlfriend had sex before I took her home. Glory to God. (laughs) Somehow God's bigger than that. Somehow, 50 years later, I'm standing here in front of you still living in what was imparted to me in 1972. Because we were just a bunch of screwed up hippies, man. We were just, everything was about love, especially if I can get love from you. <laughs> but that's how we lived. That, that, that was our culture. But what I, I, and I look back, I've had this discussion with a couple of my of my People that I started this journey with, and for as messed up as the whole hippie thing was, it wasn't all bad. It actually was the seed bed for what the movie is calling the Jesus Revolution. We did have something right, broken as it was. We had something right. Love is the answer and somehow we gotta love each other. Somehow we ought to have peace. And I can't have peace if I'm trying to destroy you. That's not the definition of peace. And somehow we had this idea that community was important. Communes were popping up all over the place. And then they became Christian communes. Never went to one of those. Don't exactly know what went on there, what went on there. (laughs) But something was happening. But in the. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We all became Christian Mormons. <laughs> no, but it's like, but you know, when God signed on, he knew what he was buying, and he's never regretted the purchase and he's never given up on the purchase. And he will bring the purchase to that place of glory that each of us are intended to be. And he's not afraid of our mess. Doesn't mean I just get to stay a mess. Means I need to deal with my stuff, all that. But even that's in his time frame. You know, I wish I could say, you know, five years after becoming a, a, a believer, glory of God, I became perfect and mature. And I've been living in that realm ever since. Well, I'm 50 years old in him, still not perfect in my own stuff, and definitely still not mature. And there's still things that he wakes me up at some point and goes, All right, there, how about we talk about that? I'm like, Wow, I don't really want to talk about that. He goes, Well, it's your choice. Robert, I would never take your choice away. But if you don't want to talk about it, you ain't sleeping the rest of tonight. (laughs) So we can talk about it, and you can go back to sleep. Or you can not talk about it, and you can roll from one end of the bed to the other the rest of the night. It's totally up to you. Because, son, you have choice. And I'm like, okay, you win. I really don't have choice. That's a kind of, you know... That's sometimes I think that's an overrated word. I, yeah, I do have choice, but He's still sovereign, and His love ultimately wins, and brings me to that point where I'll I'll finally talk. So anyway, I want to, uh, you know, I started down this journey that I've had you all on for a while, and it, it started. We were looking at what I was re what N.T. Wright refers to as broken signpost, um, what I've come to call um, the seven virtues of God. And one of those is in the area of justice. And it's kind of come back around as I'm watching what's happening right now. One of the things that is hallmarked with every move of God is justice is always forefront on God's heart. You're not going to have a move of God where justice isn't being addressed at some level. We may still be broken in it. We may push it away. We, we, there's a lot of things we can do, but God's heart is always towards justice and justice towards the poor. And, of course, there's the poor in spirit, and then there's poor in life. There's, there are various types of people that are poor. Um, and I, the last time I was in front of you, I read through some scriptures that, that deal with the poor. So in this, uh, in this journey I've been taking everyone on, as I said, we, we were looking at the poor um, and that the poor always factor into what the kingdom of God is doing uh, from the disciples right on up to us today. It factors in. You the the hallmark of Christianity is what it's done across the globe for the poor, for the needy, and so forth. So um, I'm going to continue on this group of scriptures, making a few comments. And next week, what I'm actually going to do, I I'm a member of um, of a group called Acton University, and it's um, I was introduced to Acton probably about eight years ago or so. And it's absolutely incredible uh, what they're doing. It's, a, it's an organization that interacts with global ministries that are doing all types of, of service, both in the United States and around the globe. Um, it's um, a interdenominational thing. I mean, the current president of Acton is a Catholic priest others from the Anglican Church, the Presbyterian Church, non-denominational churches. It's quite the amazing um, organization. Um, and just they brainstorm how to effectively remove poverty from the earth and absolutely believe that it's as the kingdom of God advances, that that's one of the hallmarks in we'll talk about statistics and stuff later next week i'm going to show you there's i just got finished watching a six-part uh series that they've put out and i think it it does several things it speaks about what i'm speaking about at a global level it speaks about what i'm speaking about at a, at a personal level and what i as i've watched through it one of the things i've really appreciated is especially those of us in charismatic circles, we can become so focused on what's happening in the spirit and in things that can't be seen, can't be demonstrated, right. that we, we can live with words but not actually measure words. But the kingdom of God can be measured. I can't just say, well, the kingdom of God is advancing, and somebody goes, well, how? I don't know. I just know it is. It's just advancing now. If it's advancing, you can see where it's advancing. You can see things that are changing and the things that are changing are reflecting what God looks like and what his heart is. So, and I will say that most of the time that's contrary to how politics advances. (laughs) So I'm going to, I'm going to start, I'm thinking once a month, I'm going to show this through six months. If it affects you the way it's affected me and you guys are okay with actually doing more than once a month, we can do that. Um, I ended up watching, I sat down yesterday afternoon to watch the first one and I, and I binge watched and I didn't get up until about 5.30 yesterday afternoon, having watched all six of them with um, my Kleenexes next, near me because they were totally wrecking me. With each one, and and uh, my my desire is that it'll wreck you too. But next week we will be showing that, and then I'll be just adding a few comments to it. Okay, open your Bibles to Proverbs. <clears throat> I'm just going to read through some Proverbs again, making just a few comments. Proverbs ten fifteen. A rich man's wealth is his strong city. The poverty of the poor is their ruin. So poverty robs from me resources that a wealthy person has. They have access to things that, if I'm in poverty, I don't have access to it. Poverty also restricts how people see opportunity. A rich man's wealth doesn't mean that that individual has all this money in the bank, they might not have hardly any more money in the bank than what the poor person has. That's not what makes me wealthy. What makes me wealthy is how I view life. What makes me wealthy is when I can be in the midst of something that's a perceived lack, and I'm not satisfied with just a mat laying on a sidewalk hoping somebody gives me 25 cents. What I'm what I'm seeing is there's an opportunity here. You know, when we were going to Haiti on a regular basis, one of the things that I just always found amazing is that some Haitian would find a 55 gallon steel drum and spend weeks cutting a piece of metal out of that and then banging on it, tapping on it, shaping it, and at the end, they're, they're selling this metal parrot on the sidewalk. I don't even know how many hours that craftsman has in that parrot. But that person saw something in a steel drum and could take it and now turn it into a product. That's a wealthy person. The poor person only sees the steel drum, and thinks, "Well, I wonder if I can get 25 cents for it at the scrap place. I'll just roll it down there and get 25 cents." Or they just steal the parrot. Well, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Um, and so, before I go any further, uh, a person Jerry just came up and told me this, and I, I was, I'm, I'm already running in a different direction. So. Somebody that works in the governor's office, their son has been kidnapped in Mexico, being held for ransom, I'm assuming. And so, Noah? Okay, his name is Noah. So, Father, in Jesus' name, we just speak angels descending upon wherever Noah is. And uh, that's, that's a fitting name. So, Noah, come out come out the ark is there come out ride the waters and come into freedom lord we speak protection over him that he be found and especially that your shalom would be to the the family as they uh, have to deal with this with these circumstances thank you lord proverbs 13 verse 23 The fallow ground of the poor would yield much food, but it's swept away through injustice. So, poverty oftentimes is not the lack of resources, poverty is the injustice by systems that keep people from being, being able to move up. Anytime God's going to encounter someone, they're going to move up. That's, that's how the kingdom works. World systems. Don't function that way. World systems, the elite, or the aristocracy, or whatever you want to call them, they control the masses, and the masses are just to feed wealth into them. When the kingdom starts to move, wealth starts to be created at, the, at lower levels, and we'll talk about that in the weeks to come. So injustice is the enemy of creating wealth. I like this quote from Barack Obama change will not come if we wait for some other person or some other time we are the ones we've been waiting. We are the ones we've been waiting for. We are the change that we seek. So I said, you guys are becoming the lights. This, what's happening right now, what's emerging in this reformation on the planet is the next generation is rising up. You'll have the stories to tell. I get to look back and tell 50 years of stories. You're going to get 50 years of stories, 60 years, 70 years of stories, whatever it is of stories you're going to be telling because that's what God's doing right now. The the kingdom is expanding and, you know, we're going to look at how that's happening. It is measurable. Francis of Assisi has said, where there is charity and wisdom, there is neither fear nor ignorance. So our charity, being able to, uh, to, to deal with these areas of injustice, they have to be there. We have to be determined to go after those places. Proverbs 14:21: "Whoever despises his neighbor is a sinner, but blessed is he who is generous to the poor." 14:31. Whoever oppresses the poor man insults his maker, but he who is generous to the needy honors him. As the imagers of Christ, we build wealth, and it allows us to be generous. I mean, again, it's like when we talk about wealth, when we talk about poverty, when we talk about these various things, they are not independent of each other. Everything is together in a mosaic, and it's called the kingdom of God. So, as, and I said this, I don't know, whenever I started this thing. What I find interesting when I read all the verses on the poor, and I have gone through every every verse, and I thought I would have mercy on you. I won't read them all to you. But I've gone through every verse that deals with the poor, and and I have it found except in a few, and we're going to look at one of them, where God comes with this real corrective word, to the poor and that it's all their their fault that they're poor. Instead what I see God saying is those of you that are wealthy, those of you that follow me, those of you that carry me in your heart, do something for the poor. That's right. It's your problem. But I've given you the answer. What are you going to do? How are you going to do it? You know, and I I honestly when I started that, I I was pretty sure I was going to come across at least several verses God really takes the poor to the woodshed, but he doesn't. He takes the wealthy to the woodshed and talks to them because they've hardened their hearts. So as imagers, the wealth that we're building, it's to allow us to be generous. I can't be generous if I don't have anything to be generous with. But I don't get to stand back and go, I'm off the hook from that one. I think I'll just stay broke. God's like, no, no. I put it in your heart to acquire wealth. I put it in your heart for my plans to bring wealth into your sphere. Yep. But not that you get to have the biggest house in town, but that you're generous. You get to you get to to now live a generous lifestyle, and if you seek first the kingdom. And you're, you learn that in the kingdom and in seeking the kingdom, generosity is a central part of being in the kingdom, then all these other things flow to you. God isn't saying you ride around in, in a car that the wheel's falling off or, you know, if you're really going to be a spiritual Christian, you should live in the smallest mobile home you could get. That's not what he's saying. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. I, I lived in a tiny home once. You can have them. I like being able to walk more than five feet in two directions. And I really don't like it when the shower head is over top of the toilet. It just makes keeping toilet paper dry a constant problem. Give me some space. Yeah, that's it. And it, and it's at verse 31. Those that despise helping their neighbor live as a sinner. You're living in rebellion to what you were created for. Winston Churchill said this. We make a living by what we get. We make a life by what we give. Giving has to be in, integral. In, in how we bring discipline into our lives. I have to learn to be generous. And generous isn't measured by the amount. It's measured by the love. Am I loving you in what I give? Now I'm generous. Am I giving out of guilt? Am I giving because it's been extracted? Whatever? Okay, well then, I'm still living as a sinner. I'm, I'm not leaving my heart open to actually love the person I'm looking at and see something of value in that person that I want to be generous in selling into that. Proverbs 16, verse 19. It's better to be of lowly spirit with the poor than to divide spoil with the proud. I don't know, maybe it's never been your experience, but I don't have much time when I get around somebody and their whole discussion is about them. Well, I did this, and I did that, and I have this, and I have that, and that, yeah, and it's like, I'm about to throw up on your shoes. Yeah, <laughs> and then you'll have that. Yeah, you'll <laughs> have that. <laughs> you have it, it doesn't take long when you're around a proud person before it just becomes nauseating. 19.1, better is a poor person who walks in his integrity than one who is crooked in speech and is a fool. Integrity and the fruit of the spirit are both part of wealth. It's not the money, but the integrity that builds wealth and stops injustice. I mean, if, if I'm dishonest, I don't care how much money I can extract by being dishonest. It's ill-gotten gain. It's never going to benefit me. And Proverbs says in other places that it, if it runs away, it fleets away. So I need to. I, I integrity. I have to be. I have to practice integrity. And 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 I, I will maybe for others it's not quite this way. But there's been multiple times in my life where integrity was a hard thing to practice. The 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 trial of integrity. Especially when nobody sees. And you're pretty sure nobody will find out. And they probably won't miss it anyway. And you leave it because it doesn't belong to me. Yeah, good answer. You know, those trials can be very hard trials. <laughs> Proverbs nineteen seventeen: Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord. And he, the Lord, will repay him for his deeds. Now, generosity again, and we're going to, we're going to explore this through these uh, videos we're going to watch because I think they do such a masterful job. But generosity is not just the giving of money or the giving of food or giving of clothing. That doesn't, isn't what defines generosity. Generosity is having the discernment and the wisdom to know what the person in front of me who's poor, what do they actually need to help them move up? You know, I've mentioned it before. There's a book out there. If you haven't ever read it, I would highly suggest it. But it it's, deals with uh, missions, mainly missions that have taken place through Western culture. But the, na- the title of the book is When Helping Hurts. And it just chronicles the number of places that well-meaning people end up taking people lower and enslaving them even deeper in poverty than actually elevating them out and helping them begin to build wealth. So, and the Christian church, you know, that's where we all live. So I get to pick on it, I guess, but we're notorious for, we throw money at something and it eases our conscience, but did the money, was the money the right thing to do there? or did that actually make things worse? And we can go back and measure that, but we don't want to measure it because we don't like what's on the other side of the equal sign. (laughs) But if we're going to walk in wisdom in the kingdom and take, if I'm stewarding what God's given me, then I have to measure what I'm doing and put it up against, is it being effective and helping or is it not helping? And if it's not helping, I need to be honest and go, that makes me a bad steward. God isn't looking for somebody to bury the can in the backyard and go, I know how you are. You really get ticked off easy. So look, you gave me 10 bucks. Look, I gave you 10 bucks. I've had it in this can. Nice and safe and secure. He's like, you're a wicked servant. You were supposed to multiply it. Well, how do I even know if I multiplied it if I don't measure The only person that knows is the dude with it in the can, because the same amount I put in, same amount I got out, which meant you did nothing. None of us would put money in the bank if the bank is, yeah, sure, yeah, yeah, you put your 100,000 in, no problem, 10 years from now, 100,000 will still be right there in your account. You're like, I ain't putting my money in that bank. Of course, at .002% interest, I'm not sure whether that's, but we won't go there. Yeah, yeah. But the Lord repays. The Lord is the one that sees what we do. You know, to have pity with generosity, God will repay. Maya Angelou said, I have found that among its other benefits, giving liberates the soul of the giver. And that's another whole part of generosity. When I I start to be a giver, there's something that does change in my heart. Yeah. One, I learn to not hold things so tightly. Two, I start to learn that actually I can't outgive God. That when I give, He's mindful of what I sow and He's a rewarder. It, he does take care of it. I mean, I can certainly look at my life and see that benefit in, in Linda and I's life and what we're living out right now, that, that it's part of this 50 year journey. And I haven't always been generous. I've had to learn how to be generous just like everybody else. And, but I know that a generous lifestyle is the best lifestyle to live. Whoever closes his ear to the cry of the poor will himself call out and not be answered. That, that's a scary verse, Rob. That's another one of those, like, what? if I close my ear to the poor, and again, closing my ear isn't, isn't uh, just, okay, I just walked past this person on the street and I didn't give them a dollar, I just walked on by. That's not really, when I look at this first, that, that can be encompassed in it, but if I'm closing my ear to the poor, what I'm really doing, if I'm closing my ear, I didn't close my pocket, So if I close my ear, what I'm saying is I don't want to listen to the poor. I don't want to hear their story. I don't want to understand where injustice is with them. That's too troubling. It's easier to just give them 10 bucks. But now when I've looked you eye to eye and I've heard your heart, it goes back to when Daniel kept saying, you need to come to Haiti. I'm like, I don't want to go to Haiti. He goes, no, 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 you have to come to Haiti. I said I don't want to go to Haiti. He goes, no, no, no! You'll love the people of Haiti. I said, that, my friend, is your problem, my problem. <laughs> yes, I will, and I did, and I can't take Haiti out of my mind. I people from Haiti. I just got a, a text this morning from a, a dear son and uh, spiritual son there, who's just sent me a text this morning, blessing me in the service and and the day. He's trying to get out of Port-au-Prince to the U.S. They're in the midst of, and we're praying that through. I. I hear the injustice. And when I hear the injustice, if that doesn't move my heart, then there's a problem with my heart. And just sending money to 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 kind of settle that down, that's not generosity. What uh, verse is that? 2113. And we've all been, we've all been, wow, that's a big statement. Most of us have probably given money at different times for that motivation. Well, we're taking an offering for such and such. Okay, well, here's some money. Without asking the question, are we actually helping in this offering? Or are we hurting? This is one of the few verses where it actually talks about how people become poor Proverbs 21 17 whoever loves pleasure will be a poor man he who loves wine and oil will not be rich there's this thing again if we're if I'm moving towards wealth then I have to be at a place where there I live my life not for immediate pleasure but for I'm gonna my pleasure is going to be delayed Because right now, this is a time of sowing and building. It's not a time of reaping. But we live in, especially in our Western culture, we're in such a place where it's so easy to do it today on credit. But then once, once I do it on credit, I don't own it. I'm going to pay more for it than it's worth. And it will more than likely be gone before I ever pay off the credit card at 35% interest. But I wanted immediate satisfaction, and I got it, except the satisfaction now, I, I've become, you know, a, a slave to the lender. I, I, I've lost my ownership. So he who loves wine and oil will not be rich. The, the pursuit of that, if, you know, it's not that oil or wine in themselves is the problem. It's that that's what I'm pursuing. i got to have everything right now. I, gotta, I want the fullness of everything right now. Um, again, I, I just turned 68, and there's still things I'm waiting for that I wanted when I was 17. Thankfully, there's a lot of things that I wanted at 17 that I finally wised up and got, no, nah, that ain't worth it. But at 17, I wanted it. <laughs> so what, what am I loving? What am, I, am I loving generosity? Or am I loving whatever I can accumulate through whatever I do? So now all my income is only viewed as, well, it's mine to do what I want? Or do I view my income as, well, this is really the Lord's. It's his, it's his provision to me. It's his providence to me. And if he's done that, maybe it would be good to ask every now and then, am I doing what you want me to do or am I doing something else? But don't ask questions you don't want answers for. And to go back to one of Robert's Proverbs, that's one of those cases, to ignore it, it won't go away. (laughs) Proverbs 22.2, the rich and the poor meet together. The Lord is the maker of them all. May we never lose that perspective. We are the human race. The Lord has made us all wealth or poverty that's not what defines me as a human being and we will meet together what am I going to do Albert Einstein said this not until the creation and maintenance of decent conditions of life for all people are recognized and accepted as a common obligation of all people and all countries Not until then shall we, with certain degree of justification, be able to speak of humankind as civilized. Gene Veneer says, one of the marvelous things about community is that it enables us to welcome and help people in a way that we couldn't as individuals. When we pull our strength and share the work and responsibility, we can welcome many people, even those in deep distress, and perhaps help them find self-confidence and inner healing, which goes back to what you were saying. There is a difference between me meeting somebody on the street and somebody on the street coming into this community. There is the impact of community. There is something that happens here that will not fully happen with just me on the street with one person meeting one person. I'm not saying I can't have a, an impact there, but community is where it all is. Community is where we, we become stronger than I can ever become individually. The synergy of community. Um, what, Acton University. That thing that amazes me there is like the synergy of that community that's happening on a global basis is amazing. You know, for, for, for me at this point to be able to step into something with foundation builders and now, you know, with what's unfolding there, I can't do that on my own. It's impossible for me to do that on my own. I don't have any of the resources to do that on my own. But there's something that happens when a community forms we can call it various terms, whether it's a board of directors, it's our teaching staff, it's whatever it is, it's all community. Well, we can, we can accomplish something far more than I could ever accomplish in a lifetime. And I get to leave community to the next generation. If it's just about me, after you guys eat fried chicken at my funeral, that's pretty much it. There ain't nothing left to me. But if it's community, it, it lives on, which is why what we're in right now is a transition. This isn't about me. It's about us. It's about the community, the house of praise for all people. It's about it's bigger than me. It's beyond me. I played my part in it. You don't have to, oh, no, I didn't have anything to do with it. I had a lot to do with it. Yeah, you Thank you very much. <laughs> Good and the bad. But it's beyond me. And now it it steps into the next generation, and now they pick up that mantle, and now it starts to be about them. But it's the community. It's the door that's open. It's that person that walks in, and all of a sudden, uh, too, like when somebody comes in, into this community, if they talk to me, what they get is my story but my story may not be what they need. It's Claire's story is what they need. It's Philip's story is what they need. It's Jerry's story. And if, all, if everything is just me, they're gonna leave wanting. But if they come into the community and now community starts to speak, all of a sudden they don't leave wanting. Now there's a chance of fulfillment. Now there's a chance that something can be dealt with. Now there's a chance that we can today collectively say, yep, after you tell me what happened to you, yeah, you're one screwed up individual, but good news, the whole room is full of us. You're going to fit right in, and we're all moving towards getting better. Yeah, This isn't where we you know, show up for a grape session, this is where we show up for a hallelujah session. Is where we start seeing the power of God moving through this community, healing individuals, that individuals could become part of the community. And I'll close with this one Proverbs 22, verse 22 and 23. Do not rob the poor because he's poor, or crush the afflicted at the gate, for the Lord will plead their case and rob of life those who rob them. God's mindful of the poor. Yeah. There is there isn't a beggar anywhere on the planet that the Spirit of God isn't right with that beggar. He's mindful. That was uh, Proverbs 22, 22, and 23. And he's looking for us, his imagers, to be mindful of them as well. We can't walk past. But I have to be a steward of what I've been given and steward that in a way that takes that person up, not just makes me feel good in the moment because I did something. What's lasting? What's building? what's taking someone up. And I have many more, but I won't go there this morning. <laughs> Would you mind if I share one verse? You can. From um, uh, this verse this week that I came across, it's from 2nd... Uh, richness has no value until given the way. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So it's it really is time, and especially in this outpouring that we're seeing, it really is time to go change the world. It's time for the status quo to come to an end. It's time for those that have positioned their life to only take advantage of others and set up systems and governments that only enslave. It's time for that to be exposed. It's time for that to be changed. But it's not going to be changed with nuclear weapons and pointed guns and swords. It's going to be changed by love. It's going to be changing when we so are enamored, or not that's not the right word, we're so in love with the king and his kingdom that we are willing to lay down our lives. And that there's to us, you know, there's this point, first century church, Rome was pretty sure you kill the leader, you end the movement. They kind of got that wrong. So that one didn't work. So let's, and, you you know, you can't kill somebody that's been resurrected. That's the other problem. It's like, he's walking around town. (laughs) How are you going to kill him? We already did that once. don't think that's going to work well then let's kill the people that were hanging out with him except that didn't work either and eventually Rome ceased and the kingdom of God was still moving forward and it's still moving it forward and governments no matter who they are or what political parties run them governments that sow injustice Are not in God's favor, and I honestly think He does have an opinion, Jim. Along the line of your message, there's a fellow uh, by the name of Ronnie Potts, one of the greatest guitar players. go to that and uh, no, it's just there's a real need there. yeah yeah there's no shortage <laughs> no shortage and there's no shortage no shortage of resources yes. there's only shortage of imagination yes. that's right because sometimes we've looked and said why what can I do I'm on one person I don't know try it See what one person can do. Because you might find if, if you start as one person before you know it, you've got ten more people walking with you. And you're not one person because you never were one person. Father, I thank you. I thank you for what you're doing in the earth. I thank you, O oh God, for uh, just your plans, your purposes. And, Lord, for us as the house, as we, we continue to move forward, direct our steps, direct our paths, O oh God, that we reflect you to the lost and the needy, that this door is always a place that someone can come in, that this is always a place where healing is available, restoration and hope are given away. So Lord, I thank you for each person in this community. None of us are here by accident. You are assembling a force to be reckoned with. And so I thank you, God, for what you're doing. And Jesus, may your name be glorified with every step that we take.